So I, I think what people are looking for here is improvement. They want to see signs that that Kirby Smart has this going in the right direction. He, he's proven he can recruit. The question is, can he coach him up and can he develop him? And, and Kirby knows that. All of us are about to enter into that part of the calendar that we in the South refer to as the fastest 13 or 14 weeks of the year. I'm talking about the beginning of the college football season. The countdown clock often begins sometime in January, usually the day after the national champion is crowned. Most of us who listen to this podcast could probably, with very few calculations, spit out the days or weeks that remain until the next season kicks off. Really, the only month that even matters between the months of February and September is April, and that's only because the Masters and spring practice. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you are listening to episode 93 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. On today's episode, my co-host Will Leach chats with Georgia beat writer Seth Emerson in their second annual UGA preview. In this episode, you'll hear Seth discuss the amount of pressure that Kirby and the dogs are feeling as they begin the 2017 season. Of course, there's a smattering of Chubb, Sony, and Eason talk. And since we're discussing pressure, towards the end of the show, Will asks Seth, Will asks Seth's thoughts. Will asks Seth's thoughts. I can't say that. Will asks our guests his thoughts on the pressure that Director of Athletics Greg McGarity might be feeling as well. I'm feeling pressure, too, because I can't seem to speak right. Georgia kicks off their much-anticipated season next week, and we at the WSLS Podcast will be here twice a week as we'll provide you a pre- and post-game episode for each and every opponent the dogs face. On behalf of Will, Tony, and myself, and you, the listeners, I'd like to give a big thanks to Seth for taking time out of his busy schedule to spend some time with our podcast. It's a great listen, so here's Will to kick us off. All right, I am here with Seth Emerson. Uh, Mr. Emerson, thank you uh, for your annual chat with me on this, indulging us here at this silly little podcast. Yeah, I always am glad to come on the phone with you, even though we live like, what, 15 minutes from each other? Yeah, we're just, we're, we are just, we're actually just recording this on roofs yelling at each other. From across, I, I don't know how Scott's going to produce this together, but I'm sure he'll 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 use the magic of the internet and uh, put it together. Um, all right, well, thank you. Uh, I obviously uh, uh, much going on last year when I talked to you for this podcast. Much of our discussion was, "Hey, how's the new regime going to be?" Well, actually, it was about the culture change. A lot of it was about what a big statement this was for Georgia to do this. Now that we are a year in, I feel like a lot of the questions that we had have not actually yet been answered. You're exactly right. I, I get a lot of those questions uh, from other people out of town, you know, national, regional, whatever people asking, like, you know, how, you know, what, what's the verdict so far? And I, I say, well, if there was a verdict, if we knew anything, you wouldn't be asking the question <laughs> because nothing is obvious. I mean, some stuff went well. I mean, recruiting went well and, you know, recruiting wasn't that bad under Mark Rick. It was, Georgia had like annually somewhere among the top three or top four former players in the NFL. It was a matter of they, you know, other things they couldn't quite get to that promise line. They couldn't quite finish the deal. Now, I don't know that we saw anything last year on the field from Kirby Smart that said that he will definitely be the one to take them there. I don't know that we saw anything that said that he definitely won't be the guy. They they did go backward. They went from 10 wins to eight. Uh, they had some embarrassing losses, but they had some good moments, and um, they had a, a ton of close games. I, I think we we just we don't know. Uh, I don't 
think that anybody could come out of year one saying, well, you know, we definitely have the right guy or we definitely don't have the right guy. It's just a lot of questions still to be answered. Uh, in a Q&A with your uh, colleague, uh, Jeff Schultz, Kirby Smart talked about how he says the number one thing to really get all this going is recruiting. And there's always going to be holes in classes mm-hmm. and you have to stack those four classes after one another. So on one hand, I get it. That makes sense. And in the year like 1984, every coach would get four years to like figure out what's yeah. going on. And they would all be able like, yeah. oh, no, just give me the four years or even five years because you never know if you have to redshirt or gray shirt guys. But that's not really the right. way uh, it works. And, as, and, and while in a, in a perfect world, I'm sure in Alabama, it felt that way because uh, Saban's had the time to put that system in. I'm, I'm curious, and we can get into this a little bit when we get a little bit more detail into the season, but do you see sense at all that talking to him and talking to people around the program that there is any sort of pressure on them this year like last year his you know his pictures on the cups with the, the souvenir cups that they buy yeah. in the stadium they're not this year <laughs> and, and and i'm not saying that like people are i'm not saying people are down on kirby smart or anything but certainly there is there an understanding that if there is not a considerable step forward this is going to become a very different job a year from now yeah, I, I think that's one way to put it. I, I don't know that anybody feels like this weighty pressure that you that seemed to be there every year with Mark Richt, every year at least. I, I, I got here in 2010 on a full-time basis, and that was a hot seat year. The next year was an even hotter seat, and then it went back, and then it went back on in 2014, and then obviously it was at its hottest in 2015. So I know what pressure is like, and I don't think Kirby is anywhere near that but I do think there's pressure to show people exactly what you were saying, exactly what we were talking about before in that people are saying, well, is he the guy? And if he doesn't, you know, show something this year, I, I think that going into next year, people are going to be like, well, I don't know if we, we got the right guy here. And I think that's the pressure that he's going to be feeling. And I think people around there are going to be feeling, especially in the administration to, to show that they hired the right guy. Imagine the optics if, if Georgia doesn't do well this year, but Miami does. I mean, Miami won one more game last year than Georgia, but it could also be reversed. Miami could take a step back. Georgia could take a big step forward the year a lot of year two coaches do. So I, I do think there's that kind of inward pressure to show something this year because I, I haven't done the research on this, but I have done the research that a lot of coaches show a big improvement from year one to year two. But how many struggle their first two years at a school, not struggle, but, you know, don't do much their first two years and then explode year three. So that that kind of I think if if they have another eight and five, they have another year like last year, then there's going to be people saying, "Eh, I don't know about this. Yeah. And I think that also puts an extra added pressure on this year because now like now you can look back at last season and be like, all right. So maybe we may were, were a little bit too excited about last year. I think an argument could be made that the North Carolina game got everybody way too excited because Chubb looked amazing mm-hmm. and and it was right. this big fun game and it's Kirby's first first game as coach and he wears the goofy helmet at the end of the game 
and everyone seems to be having a great time. And yeah. and that just got people like, wow, here we go. Everything's different now. And, may, and, and maybe got people a little bit too excited. Now that you look back at last year, we probably were too excited about last year. There was a very young team yeah. and it was a lot of young, it was a lot of coordinators still trying to figure this out. You touched on this in a recent mailbag, uh, Dog Nation, about how the offensive blocking scheme was maybe not right for the offensive line they had last year, but is going to be right. right for what they're trying to do moving forward. So on one hand, I get it. Like it does feel like they got the the idea of like the twenty starters back or however many starters they have back, and the the coaching staff is is in a better situation in a better place. But to me, that actually just puts more pressure on the situation because like to me, I, it's hard to come up. With you, when you've got that many guys coming back, and you've got a, uh, we'll get into the quarterback in a moment, but you've got the same guy there that you had last year, and a lot of the same people, and you've got these running backs back. While on one, you can yeah. say we need more time. On the other hand, like it, all the arguments, you can say, well, this is why last year didn't work. It would feel like they're gone for this year. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I mean, with every. All but one starter back on defense, although now one he dies out for probably at least the season opener. Um, and then you've got, you know, your quarterback back. They think they'll be better at receiver and O line, even though they lost those. But they're going to they're gonna be really young on the O line. They could be better on special teams, but maybe not. You're not still sitting there with any all stars in any of the specialist positions. So. There's enough there to say that this team has questions, but there's still enough there to say that this team should win the East. It'll be a disappointment to a lot of people if they don't win the East. I, I think that's where a lot of people are. But what I think that, and, and I've written this too, I think where a lot of people are, and I think ultimately what, what people will use to judge whether or not this was a successful season is the eye test. Because going back to last year and going back to your first question about, you know, that we didn't really find out too much last year. I thought going into last year that what people wanted to see was that under Kirby smart, unlike under Mark Rick, they wouldn't have one of those one or two losses a year, those ugly loss syndrome losses where, you know, it always seemed to happen against Florida, but you know, those type of games where for some reason they didn't show up or they lost a game they shouldn't lose. And that no matter what the ultimate final record was, if, if, you know, people would be looking at the eye test. Well, according to the eye test last year that, you know, they, they still had a couple of those games. They, they blew late losses or blew late leads to Tennessee and Georgia tech. So it, you know, that kind of went into, but they also had that, those kind of stirring wins. You mentioned the North Carolina game, the Auburn game. They they finished well and, and rallied to beat TCU when it looked like they might lose that one and finish the year seven and six. So there was some good, there was some bad, and like you said, no questions were answered. I think going into this year, I think people want to see improvement. I don't think anybody's expecting them realistically to win the SEC and make the playoff. Um, but I think it will be a disappointment to a lot of people if they don't win the East. But what if they, like, what if, for instance, Florida is really good? And Georgia just loses to them, but otherwise has a good year. What if Georgia finishes 10 and two, but doesn't win the East? What if they, you know, thump a bunch of teams and just have a a close loss or two, then people will feel fine, even though they didn't win the division. But what if they win the division? That's a very weak division. It turns out, I mean, people think it's a weak division already. What if it turns out to be really weak and, and Georgia skates by and wins it? 
with like a six and two record in the East, but also loses to Georgia Tech and Notre Dame eight and four, and then gets thumped by Alabama in the SEC championship game. Then, you know, I don't think people will feel good. So I, I think what people are looking for here is improvement. They want to see signs that that Kirby Smart has this going in the right direction. He's proven he can recruit. The question is, can he coach him up and can he develop him? And, and Kirby knows that. So I, I think that's what people are looking for now. And the other thing is that whereas you know, in terms of coaching up and, and proving that he can recruit and whatever, you know, last year's team – wasn't as talented as some others, but I, I still think it got a bum rap for not being that talented because of the NFL draft when only Isaiah McKenzie was picked and he was a, I think a fifth round pick. Well, the thing about that was a lot more Georgia players would have been picked if they had turned pro. Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle didn't turn pro. The outside linebackers, Bellamy and Carter didn't turn pro and neither did the safety, Dominic Sanders. And there was talent on this team last year. It was just inexperienced talent. There's, there were a whole bunch of freshmen and sophomores that played. And those guys are more experienced now. I think this is a team, this year's team, that you're going to look back and say is one of the more, more talented in Georgia history. It, it's just a matter of what they're going to be able to get out of it. I mean, and it's funny because, you know, if Chubb and Michelle had not come back, I would have looked at the running backs on this team and thought, all right, so they're a little inexperienced, but there's clearly talent there. Like that, you wouldn't have immediately thought, yeah. oh wow, what a major weakness this team has at running back. Uh, if if Chubb and Michelle hadn't come back, but now that they're back, it's strange. It's almost been. It's funny. I was listening to the Solid Verbal and they were talking about this kind of idea. Everyone is just kind of um, because Chubb. I think it's clear now was not a hundred percent back last year, and even the North Carolina game notwithstanding, and because of the offensive line issues that they had, I think it's almost been forgotten just how of amazing of a back he was how you would sometimes watch him yeah. next to Todd Gurley and be like wow he might actually have more skills than Gurley does in a lot of ways are they like I know they're expecting him to be back full bore but you know you look at I remember last before last year Leonard Fournette they're like they're gonna give the ball to him it's 757 times uh and yeah. I know that obviously Chubb, they have a lot more options than that, but it does feel, considering what Chubb has done and the fact that he should be generally healthy now even though you have those other options We'll get to the quarterback in a moment, but when in doubt, it would still feel like you have a guy that people were talking about as a potential Heisman Trophy guy not that long ago to keep giving the ball back to. Yeah, we talked to Chubb the other day, and and I was asking him about that, about you know how he feels different, what he may not have had last year, and he he said that he his straight line speed was always fine. It's his quickness that he thinks is a little better now, and quickness means that that's the parlance that they use for basically lateral and cutting ability and, you know, ability to dodge guys, take a corner, that kind of thing. So if he's right, then that's something that Georgia didn't have last year. It was a 100% Nick Chubb who can you know, get those extra yards. And, you know, he didn't have many of those, those breakouts. He, he, he was fine if he had a hole and he was fine because he could get the hole and then go, that was still there. Everyone saw that in the North Carolina game. It was, and he creates something out of nothing. And that's something that Todd Gurley could always do. Uh, that's something that Chubb did as a freshman and a sophomore. Um, I mean, even when Gurley and, and Chubb and uh, Keith Marshall and those guys were doing well, um, the, the coaches here, like Will Friend, the O-line coach at the time, and you know, Mike Bobo would, would say, well, uh, I, I think our, our tailbacks are making our O-line look good. You know, they would kind of downgrade their O-line because – 
because they would say, yeah, our, our tailbacks are making them look good a lot of the time. Well, maybe Chubb was limited and, and, you know, maybe part of the reason the O-line looked so bad the last two years wasn't just talent, but because Chubb wasn't there two years ago uh, and last year he wasn't fully himself. So we'll see that. But on another level, frankly, they, they do need to have holes. They do need to have an ability to, you know, run through something uh, in order to make something of, of whatever's there. So, uh, you know, Chubb and Michelle may be 100%, but if the O-line still struggles, then you can forget about the Heisman campaign. <laughs> right. Um, and I think that comes back down to the also to the quarterback a little bit. It still seems weird to me. You know, it, it, I certainly thought – it was funny when you watched Lambert, you know, and 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 everyone, everybody always, of course, always loves the backup quarterback. But it was very yeah. definitely strange that we'd gotten to the point where they were like, even this off season, the number of people that I heard talking about Fromm, I'm like, wait, this guy's literally just a sophomore. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, give him. Do you think that obviously, like, he wasn't he wasn't perfect last year, and I think there were some accuracy issues. But the idea, I mean, listen, the the Tennessee game, Tennessee game, they should have won because of a pass that he made. Missouri, yeah. they did win because yeah. of, a, of a pass that, that that he that he made. Yep. Uh, there were other games where uh, you know you could argue that uh, Kentucky. Kentucky was there at a certain level. Are expectations out of line for Eason this early, or is this a year where you, where you ex- not only you expect, but the team expects to him be not just a better than he was last year, but to maybe take that best step forward? There's, there's an argument to be made that even right now, for all the struggles they had last year, he's the best quarterback in the SEC East. Do they need him to just be that, or do they need him to be more? Yeah, I mean— if it's not him being the best quarterback in the SEC, he's coming to this year. Who is it? Yeah. I mean, Jake Bentley looked good, but you know, it was in a more abbreviated sample size. I mean, you know, Jalen hurts and company, obviously Jared Stidham. Am I pronouncing that right? I don't know, but um, I think so, yes. those guys are good, but yeah, I mean, and, and I agree with you about Jake Fromm. I never bought into the idea that there was a real competition. I think that was Kirby smart, perhaps wisely uh, saying some stuff to, to get Eason, a little bit of a push, but also to get Jake Fromm like mentally ready to play uh, as a true freshman if they need him to. Um, but you know, fans are fans. I mean, when Aaron Murray is now at the point where they're going to build statues to him, <laughs> even though he didn't really he didn't have an NFL career, but he he set all these records here. And I covered his entire career here, and there were still people writing in saying, "I want Hudson Mason to get a shot." I'm just not seeing it with Murray. You know, I, I really don't think he put that to rest until like early in his senior year. He wasn't appreciated until he was gone. Um, now, having said that, Eason still has a ways to go, and he'll say that. I, I think in Eason, you're talking about a guy who came in with so much hype, and he was seen as, you know, the the, the savior that he just kind of had a typical freshman year. Uh, he, you know, his interception total was actually a lot lower than you'd expect. I mean, Matt Stafford threw, I think it was 13, uh, in a lot less action as a freshman than Eason did. Um, whereas Eason, I think only had eight. Now there were others that could have been interceptions and his problem was accuracy. He was 55% and he would, he would sail some, some passes to wide open receivers and he wouldn't, he had some trouble with the deep ball too. That's where most of his incompletions were. So he's got to improve on that. He's got to not lock in on certain receivers. 
this is just a, I, I think in a lot of ways, this was just a case of a kid who was so talented and so much better than the competition he played in high school that he gets to the, the college level, gets SEC, and there's, you know, he's finding out he's having to do stuff he didn't have to do in high school. In high school, he could look at his first receiver and just hit him because, you know, they were going to run a route that only Eason was going to be able to hit, was going to be able to get him, and the cornerback wasn't as good. Well, now that guy might not be open, and so he had to look for a second one. And, you know, the, the, Deep ball is something that, you know, he, he's got to improve on, uh, that he didn't have to maybe worry about that as much in high school because they could just go short balls down the field or whatever. I don't know. But he was also used to being in a shotgun in high school. And so Georgia put him under center a lot more, and he had to adjust to that. I mean, there were a lot of adjustments. And I, I expect, like, moderate improvement this year from him. Um, I could see. I wouldn't be shocked with a, a huge uh, you know, a huge leap up and he's the first team all SEC guy. I, I wouldn't be shocked by that. I wouldn't come out and predict it right now, but I, I wouldn't be shocked with that. I would be shocked if he if he didn't improve just a little bit than last year. And we haven't really talked about the defense that much. Obviously they have all everyone coming back, but there were still issues with that defense last year. And what's funny is you know, when you look, we talked about the quarterbacks in the SEC East and how there's no, no one that really blows you away. And it's it's possible that the best quarterback they may face all year maybe is in the Mississippi State game or maybe in the Appalachian State game. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> like, so I'm I'm curious, where is the worry for defense? Is it is it in the secondary? Is it up front? What what's the major concern for defense, and where is the place where they they uh, they, they can really make their money this year? It's the secondary and the pass rush. They, the secondary is the one open spot. Uh, the, the guy who played the nickelback and the nickelback is basically a starting position in football these days. Um, their nickelback left is the one guy that left. Um, and then they had an injury to their best cornerback in preseason, uh, Malcolm Parrish. Uh, when he'll return, I don't know, maybe for the Notre Dame game, maybe it'll take longer. Um, but it's, it's not a huge long-term injury, but it's still something that they have to deal with. And there's not huge depth in the secondary. And I, I think there are legitimate, when, when you delve into it a little bit more, there are legitimate questions about how good the secondary really has been the last couple of years. Uh, when you look at the competition that they've played, on the other hand, they don't play, like you mentioned, they don't play great competition this year either. Now, maybe Mississippi state turns out to be pretty good. Maybe Florida's offense is, is really good. Um, maybe, you know, I mean, Auburn's I'm sure will be, maybe this new quarterback is throwing it up and down the field, which when Georgia played Auburn last year, Sean White could, could not like, I, they would have been better off with me at quarterback. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he just, he just had no arm at that point, but that's, that's the main concern. I think the pass rush, they've got two good outside linebackers in Davin Bellamy and Lorenzo Carter, but they haven't quite lived up to their billing yet, especially Carter. They've, they haven't racked up all these sacks. And while a lot of people say sacks are overrated and, and David Pollock is one of those people who's told me that. And he says that as Georgia's all time career leader in sacks. So he's, he has some credibility <laughs> Yes, when he diminishes his own accomplishment. Um, he then turns around and says, but having said that Carter and Bellamy still need to get better on the pass rush, their, their ability to affect the quarterback and do the things you need to do. Um, as an edge rusher that hasn't been up to par the last couple of years. So 
that has to get better too. Um, so I, I think there's enough concern when you look around at the defense. I, I, I came into the year saying, you know, I think this could be an epically great Georgia defense. You know, this could be one of the best of all time, 10 starters back for a year that was pretty good. But the more I've kind of looked at things, you know, it's been kind of the opposite of preseason happy talk. You know, it's just like preseason slash spring training for baseball. You know, it's the time for optimism. Everything seems great. Um, I've kind of upgraded what I think will happen with Georgia's offense while I've downgraded a bit with the defense. I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure how much better they'll actually be than last year. I'm not saying they'll be bad on defense. I'm just, I, I, I've said the question will be, will they go from good to great? And now I'm kind of skeptical, cautiously skeptical that they'll, they'll be able to do that. So one thing I want to get into more of a macro thing to kind of close out a little bit. Uh, I it was very funny. I was driving. Uh, I, I I run by every day that subway on Prince Avenue, the infamous subway on oh, yeah. Prince Avenue. Yeah. They, had, they had the sign up about McGarity. I feel like they're totally overcompensating every time I run by it now. Now there's like a joke about you're not in Ann Arbor, Appalachian State. This is Athens. I saw that one. Yeah, yeah. they're all, they're yeah. like they're like a little overdoing it now. <laughs> but uh, they, of course, they were the one place that had up the lo- looking uh, uh, for a new athletic director. Um, I don't. Yeah. I, it's whatever your thoughts on whether there should or should not be, or whether uh, or anything along those lines. You, you know, you cover Georgia football for a very well-read uh, newspaper and website. You get emails all the time. Um, I get a sense sometimes of what Georgia fans feel about the general state of Georgia athletics right now, but I, out of a long rule uh, to keep my own sanity, I do not look at message boards. <laughs> I try to stay off yeah. Twitter as much as possible just so I can uh, you know, uh, enjoy what little life uh, in, uh, in today's America that we're allowed to enjoy. But do you... In your sense, looking at this, do you feel that the fa- that there is a groundswell of continued frustration, or do you think this is still just loud outliers or a or a smaller sect that's kind of moving away? Because I can't tell how much not danger, but how much pressure someone like McGarity and really kind of the way they run things now is is under or even should be under. Well, I mean, if it were put up to a vote of the, the majority of the fan base, you know, there, there'd be a new direction there. There's a, there's a, there's a groundswell. People are frustrated. Um, it, you know, football has had some disappointing seasons. Uh, you know, there was excitement over Kirby, but you know, even Kirby used the word to say disappointment for year one. Um, and then after that, you know, basketball kind of had a disappointing year. They went to the NCAA two years ago, but didn't win, you know, so the, the basketball program has not won a game in the NCAA. And, uh, I think we're going back to the Jim Herrick years. Um, and I'm not sure which of those count anymore right. in the record book. Right. Uh, you know, the, the baseball program has really dropped off, yeah. like just has not sniffed the NCAA tournament. And this was a program that was going to the college world series, won the whole thing in 1990. Um, I could go on, um, gymnastics used to be great and they're, they're not anymore. So they fired their coach and just hired somebody. And, you know, women's basketball missed the tournament or maybe they, did they miss the tournament this year? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, made it last year, but didn't win a game there. Uh, I mean, there's there. Yeah. Now they've done well in a couple sports, uh, men's tennis and women's track, but that doesn't, 
know, they didn't win any championships this past year, and that doesn't move the needle. Equestrian. People are upset. Equestrian. Give a question yeah. they'll do. Give a question they'll do. They kick ass yeah. at Equestrian. Well, yeah, they, they are good. They are good. They also <laughs> I think there's like a I, championship either. Yeah, yeah I, I think there's also like yeah. 11 teams. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so th- there's all this going on. Now, at, at University of Alabama, they don't really win much either in the non-football sports, but they win in football. So that make no one really notices. If Kirby can go out and have a huge year, everyone's going to feel fine. No one's going to really care what happens with basketball. You know, it'd be nice if basketball does better. It'd be nice if baseball, gymnastics, women's basketball do better, but who cares? How's recruiting going for football? Because we, we still love how football season went. If football season is another struggle, then I'm not sure the mobs will like allow uh, the athletic department to get to, um, you know, to, to get another sport to kind of be their salvation. Um, and I'm not sure it'll matter anyway. Uh, I think they're going to have a tough road in a lot of these other sports. So it, it, so much comes down to football right now for how this fan base will feel and, and just the overall feeling of the, the fans have for, for Georgia athletics. All right. My last question. Uh, so you're going to Notre Dame, of course. Are you, have you been to Notre Dame before? Yeah. Have you seen it? I have not. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, this is, I'm going as well. I'm going as well. It was fine because, you know, tickets are, are pretty high. And I had a couple people, uh, ask me, well, you know, well, if you, worst case scenario, I'm like, you could request a press pass, but A, I don't know if they would just give a, so usually Sports Earth does okay with stuff like that. But, you know, the, I, I, I'm, you know, you know me, I go as a fan. I don't think I could go and face you or Schlebaugh. And, uh, in the press box uh, after, uh, being out with drinking Notre Dame fans all day. I'm curious, is this a, is this a stadium that you've always wanted to see? Is this one, like, of, when you look at the schedule, lots of people have complained about the home game, home games on the schedule this year. But right. just as someone that's going to be traveling around, do, does this, does getting to go to this game almost, does it kind of justify the rest? Is this one that you, when they was put on the schedule years ago that you were particularly excited for? Oh yeah. I mean, this is, this is great. I hope that the Georgia UCLA series that they scheduled a few years ago, I hope that ends up happening because it could always not, <laughs> um, you know, this, this is great. Uh, this, you know, just as a pure, from a purely selfish standpoint, the fact, I mean, I don't even go to Chicago. Much. I know you're, you're a kid with the Midwest, but, but I'm not. So this is exciting for me to make that trip. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to, to go into Notre Dame stadium and I'm, I'm one of the, few people out there that thinks that Rudy is a good movie. Uh, so, you know, that, you know, go, I'll, I'll probably have that effect that Ned Beatty's character has when he walks in there, uh, for the first time. It's, it's going to be a really cool thing. And yeah, it does make up for the fact that, uh, the home schedule is really bad <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the road schedule otherwise, you know, uh, not, not, anything spectacular either, which is kind of the fault of the SEC because, you know, Texas A&M is now entering its sixth year in the SEC. And um, I saw someone point out that the next time there's an eclipse in the United States, 2024, Georgia still will not have traveled to Texas A&M. So, uh, you know, Notre Dame would be great, but there's still one place in Georgia's own conference that, I'm waiting to go to, and I'm looking forward to. <laughs> well, um, and okay, one last thing, just team wise, just your your job wise. I want to get into this a little bit. I forgot to ask you about: Is Kirby getting better with the media? Is he improving at that? Yeah, 
Yeah, I think so. I, there aren't like the, I mean, there were some rough edges last year. I think people were just trying to feel each other out. I mean, we still don't get assistant coaches and we still don't get freshmen and, and I'll argue till the cows come home about, you know, about that. I'm, I'm trying not to like make it be an instance where the goalposts have moved and right. now I'm happy with right. what we're getting. Um, but you know, it, it's a little better than last year and, and Kirby is, is informational. You know, he's, he's good for the media in that way. He'll, he'll stand up there and you ask him a question and he'll answer it. And, and I appreciate that. And so I, I think he's getting, you know, he's getting a little better and, and I'll just kind of leave it at that and hope he keeps getting better. Fair enough. And, uh, and unlike, and for all the talk about um, whether or not Kirby would be like Saban, I do believe that, that Georgia players were at least allowed to acknowledge that the eclipse had happened. Yes, I think they yeah. were. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, when he asked, he, when Kirby was asked about it before Saban was, and Kirby kind of gave a, uh, you know, a, a, a grinning kind of, why are you asking me that question answer? But he did, he did know it was happening. <laughs> he said that <laughs> he knew his wife and kids were excited about it. Whereas like other coaches like Saban and, and Muschamp were asked about it. And it, they, they appeared, Saban was, you know, very contemptuous of the idea of an eclipse. Um, and <laughs> Muschamp apparently didn't even know it was happening. Um, whereas, like, yeah, you know, Kirby on, on Monday afternoon, they even, like, sent out a team, you know, Twitter video of it, of them watching the eclipse. They went and they got classes for the whole team, and they were able to watch it, such as it was from Athens, uh, you know, from the practice field. So, yeah, I do think in, in the that that is another example of something I have sensed here that, that Kirby is a, a thing that we like to call in the business a person. <laughs> like, you know, there, there, there is life outside the football, um, and, and he, he embraces that. That is a, a move in the, such a strange statement on the world of, of uh, high-pressure yeah. college football, college athletics. You know what? He, uh, he does not think that the blotting out of the sun by the moon Oh, merely as a distraction from his football practice <laughs> is uh, that's a step right. forward. It makes him a human being. I think you're right, though. I think uh, I've noticed a little bit of that change too. Well, Seth, as always, everyone, fo- of course, I'm assuming anyone listening to this podcast follows Seth Emerson on Twitter, but follow him, Seth W Emerson on Twitter. Uh, and uh, BN, listen, I I, I'm a, I talked to my friend Derek Gould about this, who covers the Cardinals for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. No one in the world works harder than you guys, what you do, and nobody gets yelled at for it more. <laughs> so everybody hug, yeah. hug, a Seth, hug a Seth today. Hug a Seth today. <laughs> hug because, your beat writer today. Yeah. <laughs> hug your beat writer today. Uh, Seth, I look forward to seeing you uh, as the season goes along. I owe you a dinner for doing this. Uh, so uh, thanks for your time, and uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. All right, Will. Take care. And thanks so much for listening. A bigger thank you goes out to Seth for taking time out of his busy schedule and to Will for setting this annual interview up. Make sure to follow Will and Seth on Twitter. Their handles are actually quite similar. First name, middle, initial, last name. So you can reach out to Will at William F. Leach and Seth is Seth W. Emerson. Of course, you can tweet our show as well. It's at WSLS Podcast. And while I'm on the subject of being interactive, if you haven't already, we'd love it if you would take time to subscribe and review our show on iTunes. If you do so and leave a comment, I'll read it on a future episode. One other thing before I sign off. The three of us, Will, Tony, and I, actually recorded a 90-minute UGA preview earlier this week. I thought it was pretty good, one of our best works, but it will be lost to history. Why? It was my fault. I neglected to save the file, and then I tried to recover it, and, well, let's just say I learned my lesson on trusting electronics to keep stuff 
that you don't save. So save your work. Nevertheless, we forge on and we'll be back next week with our UGA Appalachian State preview to begin the 2017 college football season for the dogs. So until then, have a great weekend and we'll see you on campus next week. Gosh, that feels good to say. Go dogs. <laughs>